Well, I'd like to welcome everybody to our midweek Shepherd's Chapel Bible study. We're in the book of Acts. We're in Acts chapter 20. Um, we've been going through the book of Acts for a number of months now. We're in the midst of Paul's third missionary journey. And Paul has uh, been going. He's uh, through Syria and, and Samaria. He's come to uh, Miletus. And while he is there, he's heading in the direction of Jerusalem. But he makes a pit stop. And he does so in Miletus. And there he sends for the elders that he served with in Ephesus. Ephesus was a big city in Asia Minor in the hundreds of thousands in terms of population. We referred to some of this the other day in our Shepherd's Chapel worship service. And we're just continuing uh, through this study um, here. And during the time that he's going to meet with them, he reminds them of a number of things that they knew about him and about his ministry, his gospel, or the gospel ministry. But before we proceed, let's take a moment and ask our Heavenly Father's blessing upon our time together. Lord, for all that hear these words, whether it be those of us here together in this place, or those that will be hearing this on the airwaves or on their computer, we pray that you would bless each one with a clearer understanding of what's going on here and uh, the heart of the Apostle as he reveals it to us in his words. Uh, Lord, we ask that um, those things that, that we have not that you would grant us, those things that we are or that which we are not that you would make us, and above all things, you would remind us that all comes from you and not from our own abilities. We commit these things to you now. We thank you for another opportunity to study your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So he sends for these individuals and they come and they meet with him. And Paul knows what's going to be said. Paul knows what's um going to be taking place he's essentially saying goodbye and he wanted to say goodbye to them face to face for the last time i had mentioned uh, the other evening in shepherd's chapel worship imagine if you will being in a position where you're saying your goodbyes to someone that you love dearly could be a friend it could be relatives could be somebody that you've worked with, somebody that you've lived with. But you know, going into the conversation, it's going to be the last time you have a conversation with them. It's going to be the last time you see them face to face. I haven't experienced that in my life. The closest that I've come is... A woman who years ago asked me to do her funeral before she died. She knew she was dying. She was terminally ill. And the day that she died, I was up to see her that morning. We had already planned the funeral. And while I was sitting next to her 
at bedside and we had prayed with each other. And then she passed away in a moment. Didn't know that she was going to die that day. Didn't know that that was going to take place that morning, but God did. The only other situation was the evening that I saw my mother the last time and was there with my daughters and they were just saying hello to Nana and I was saying hello to Mom and we left the uh, funeral or the uh, nursing home where she was at the time and six hours later at three in the morning I received a phone call that she had passed away. But this is a little different. The Apostle Paul knows going into this conversation with these men, he's not going to see them again. But he has some things that he wants to say to them. Things that are important. <clears throat> he wants to tell them and remind them of the man that he was that ministered with them. He wants them to understand he was an honest man, a transparent man. Somebody who let them know what was going on really in terms of his heart, his feelings. And he begins by saying as much. I served you with all humility and with tears and with trials. And we might say it this way, through thick and thin, for the sake of the gospel. I didn't back off. I didn't pull my punches is the way we'd say it in our vernacular. I taught from house to house. And the things that I taught amounted to this, the whole counsel of God. I didn't pick and choose when it came to the scriptures. I didn't say, for example, this is my favorite scripture and we're going to preach on that. But these other scriptures I don't like, so we're not going to preach on those things. In fact, I preach to you the whole counsel of God. And what I preach to you is this, the necessity of faith and repentance. When it comes right down to it, whether I do this on Spotify or YouTube or whether I'm doing this on Sunday at Shepherd's Chapel, the message that I have is really simple. The message that I have to each of you is this, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, repent of your sins, Pre prepare to leave this life and cross over into the next life. Time is running out. It may not feel like it if you're 30 years old or 40 years old, but time is running out. I talked to somebody earlier today we were talking briefly about his mother. His mother's been given three months to live. She's 52, 53 years old. I was thinking about somebody else last evening and talking about that person to a th another party. And the person that we were talking about happened to have died 20 years ago when they were 49 years old. Years ago, I remember working with a gentleman who really liked, enjoyed his company immensely. He lived in Delaware and he commuted to this area. 
every day for work. And he and his wife liked to do ballroom dancing. And at the time, there was a place up near Pottstown called Sunnybrook Ballroom. And Chuck and his wife would think nothing of driving an hour, hour and 20 minutes to get up to Sunnybrook Ballroom and have dinner and do some ballroom dancing. And one day I came into work and I heard some news. And Chuck, who was one of my favorite co-workers, had been killed on Friday night on his way home from the ballroom dancing that he and his wife loved. They were in his car. They were driving down the road, minding their own business, heading back to Delaware. And a young lady in her Mustang crossed over the center line in head-on collision and Chuck and his wife were killed instantly. I had been talking to him on Friday. On Monday I came in and he's dead. His wife's dead. Now, those things aren't happy things to talk about. But those things are necessary to be reminded of and for all of us to think soberly about because folks time is running out years ago one of the worst episodes of my life was a day in which i found out that my younger brother had died in a drowning accident at the age of 24. what made it that much harder was at the time he lived with us so I had seen him on a regular basis. And that day I went to work and the last thing I figured out that was going to be happening that day was any such bad news like that. But in fact, in God's providence, there was going to be bad news. And a younger brother passed away. Instantly. Instantly. Haven't seen him for 40 years have no hope of seeing him again, ever. Didn't believe in God, thought God was a joke, Jesus was a joke, Bible was a joke, no faith in repentance there. As best as I can tell, I won't see him again. Well, Paul's saying he works hard in the power of the Holy Spirit to present this gospel to everybody because this is the work that God's given him to do. This is the work that God wants him to continue to do, letting him know that there's going to be fruit in the cities that he visits, that is, people who will in fact believe, and that this work is more important to him than his own life and his own safety. And then he says to them, I know that you all among whom I went about preaching the gospel won't see me anymore. Boy, that had to get their attention, didn't it? Just imagine the few of you that are here today in the offices were doing this. I think we all genuinely like each other, don't we? That's my impression. 
I get the impression on Sunday when I see the people at Shepherd's Chapel, they're glad to see me and me them. Yes? But imagine, just imagine for a moment, if on Sunday during one of my sermons, I say to you, and I say it with tears, Folks, this will be the last time you see me in this life. This is it. Oh, not because I'm quitting Lamb Foundation or anything like that. Or Shepherd's Chapel. It's simply because God is taking me home. I won't be here anymore. I don't know about you. That would be a hard thing for me to say. And I think it would probably be a hard thing for you to accept. I hope that's the case. I mean, again, you know, we, we may all kid ourselves that the people in our lives like us as much as we like them. But assuming that we do, again, whether it's me or somebody else, think of your best friend. And your best friend says to you, we're not going to see each other anymore. Think of a favorite relative and you're on the phone with them or they, they come to visit you. And as they're getting in the car, they say, oh, by the way, I, I didn't tell you this earlier because it probably would have wrecked our visit. But I won't be back here. I won't be seeing you again, at least in this life. I've never had that experience, so I don't know what it's like, but Paul is saying it, and I think he's saying it to make a point. He says, as a result of what I'm telling you, and now that I have your attention, I want you to understand something. I'm innocent of the blood of all men. He wants them to know, I've been a watchman. <clears throat> Along the way, I've wanted you to be clear in terms of what the Bible says. See, when I face Jesus, I want to be able to say to him, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, I truly believe that I've preached faithfully, I've taught faithfully to this little flock that you've given me to minister to. Lord, you're the judge of that. But I believe that's the case. I've tried hard to not go to the right or to the left of just let's talk about social issues. Let's talk about those things that are of concerns to you. I'd rather you know the Bible than to know what I think about BLM or LGBTQ, or politics, Democrats or Republicans, or what we ought to do about climate change. All of those things have their place, I guess, in discussions. But the real touchstone, I think, for any human being is, where do you stand with God? What do you believe about your Creator? Do you believe anything at all? 
Or are you just here taking up space on his planet Earth? I didn't shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. And then he says this, be on your guard for yourselves and for the flock. Who's he talking to? He's talking to the leadership of the church at Ephesus. He's talking to them. He's saying, I'm going. You're staying. Be on guard because the flock, that is, the people of God, those that Jesus refers to as his sheep, are important to God. And he's given you the responsibility to watch over them as shepherds. And, oh, by the way, here's why they're important to God. He's purchased them with his own blood. And the idea of that is this. The purchase price is so huge, it's beyond measure in terms of value. There's nothing more valuable to God than the life of his own son, who he's willing to give up so that you can have a life. That's the point he's making. And he warns them. He says, I'm taking the time to tell you these things because of what's lurking ahead. What's lurking ahead is this. There are those that will come in to the church, to those of you who have been gathered together on a regular basis, who aren't going to believe in God, who try to lead you astray. And again, how do you imagine that? Imagine it like this. Imagine all of a sudden at Shepherd's Chapel, there's two or three new people, and we're happy with two or three new people. But we're not happy with two or three new people if those people come in and they start saying things like this. Jenny, you don't really believe that Bible stuff that Pastor Bill's preaching every Sunday, do you? Keith, you don't bother going to those Bible studies on Tuesday that they're talking about, do you? Julia, I don't know, you could be doing something better, you know, than coming when you can to the different Bible studies. That stuff's silly. That stuff was written thousands of years ago. You don't really believe that. And it's those little things. Or, you know what, folks, I don't know about you, but every week, Pastor Bill, what's he talking about? He's talking about Jesus. He's talking about faith. He's talking about sins. He's not talking about, you know, what what's going on in the world. His head's like stuck in that Bible. And that's how it starts. And he's saying, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. He's giving an imagery. Here's a hungry wolf. And you're a fat little sheep. And what's the hungry wolf looking for? He's looking for easy dinner. Okay? And he's portraying these individuals 
essentially is evil individuals that are interested in tearing you away from those things that you're committed to in your learning and in your believing. From among your own selves, men will arise speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be on the alert, remembering that night and day for a period of three years I did not cease to admonish each of you with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Three years I did this with you, man. Three. We talked about these things regularly. We prayed about these things regularly. We warned each other about these things. I don't want you to forget. We're not going to see each other again. I'm not going to be picking up any phone because there isn't even a phone invented. He's not going to be texting anybody, emailing anybody. He's saying goodbye. He wants them to remember. He knows what's going to happen. The evil one is going to send individuals to try to wreck that church as he tries to wreck lots of churches. Folks, I pass lots of churches every week. A lot of those places I would never go to on a Sunday. Why? Because they're not preaching anything. Nothing at all. Nothing worth learning. They might as well just close. How come? Because years ago, individuals came to those churches and they said, we're not really going to talk about the Bible, are we? Can't we talk about something more relevant? I can't tell you how many churches that I see on a regular basis that are there and they got names like St. Matthew's this or... Um, you know, the, the, the church of this and that. And, you know, it's, they have their times listed on their signs. They have, if you go on their websites, you know, the different programs. But many of them aren't talking about Jesus on any regular basis. If they're talking about Jesus, they're talking about Jesus as an important individual in history somebody that was a good man, somebody that was a good example. But they're not talking about Jesus, the Son of God, who came to earth, born of a virgin, who lived a perfect life, who then offered his, himself as a perfect death, as the only sacrifice, and becomes the only mediator between God and man. They're not talking about that Jesus. The other day I saw some folks across the street, two women, attractive women, Magazine stands sitting right there in front of them, stopping cars, being friendly, being nice people. Jehovah Witnesses. That's what they were. I'm sure they'd make nice neighbors. But in getting in a conversation with them, and if I would start talking to them about Jesus being the Son of God, equal with God the Father, equal with God the Son, they would say, oh, no, 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 you have it wrong. Jesus, in fact, was the first creation of God. That's what they believe. 
there are a lot of groups out there that have it all wrong. And the Apostle Paul is warning against those individuals. If you want to remain faithful, if you're interested in continuing to do what I'm doing, preach the whole counsel of God. Have one message. Stay focused on that message. You don't need to get cute. You don't need to get fancy. You don't need to be in a position where you're going down endlessly, this avenue and that avenue, this pathway and that pathway. You don't need to get into arguments with people about all their different question marks about different things. Stay focused. Be in charge. Be the individuals that are going to lead that flock. And he's saying, have a sense of urgency. Remember my example, is what he's saying. I did this week in, week out. I want you to remember that example. I preached, and I preached with genuine feeling, genuine concern, genuine tears. On top of that, he sets himself up as an example in terms of how he did it. I've done this without any support from any of you. In fact, Paul was a tent maker. That's how he supported himself. He'd go from place to place. People needed tents. Here they are. A lot of them were nomads, traveling place to place. You know, at nighttime, you didn't just lay on the sand. You'd put up a tent. You'd put down rugs. You'd put down mats. And, pa and, and Paul was a tent maker. You yourselves know with these hands that they ministered to my own needs and to those that were with me. And everything I showed you by working hard in this manner, you must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And again, it must have been a difficult moment for Paul. A difficult moment for them. And they began to weep aloud. And they embraced Paul. And repeatedly kissed him. Kissed from the standpoint of, you know, not in any kind of sexual way. Simply, you know, saying goodbye to one another, embracing somebody. It's like if I see a guy friend of mine, I don't kiss him, but I'll give him a big bear hug. That's what we're talking about here. Grieving especially over the word that he had spoken that they would not see his face anymore. And then they accompanied him to the ship. And Paul's gone. And now they're off to Ephesus. And what do they have? They have the memory of those words. Here's the takeaway for you. Each of you, remember the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe in him. Put your trust only in what he's done on the cross, not what you're doing in your life for salvation.
understand that while you're here, he's given you and me a responsibility to share that gospel with everybody that needs it. And quite frankly, I'm guessing most of the people in our life need it. Whether it's folks that you come in contact with at work, whether it's folks that you see walking up and down Walnut Street, whether it's folks that you live with down at your end of town, the two of you, you know, as you see different individuals, that every week you're going to church, they're not. They're staying home in their house. Speak up. Encourage them. Come. Give it a try. Come and visit our church for two or three weeks. After that, no pressure. You don't want to come anymore, don't come. But what's going to hurt if you invite them and they don't come? Versus you never say anything to them. And there's no hope that they're ever going to hear the gospel. Assume that most people have not heard what the gospel is. They know the word. They know the name Jesus. They know bits and pieces about Jesus. But beyond that, they don't know much. A lot of people that think they're Christians aren't Christians. A lot of people that call themselves Christians are going to be going to hell. Plenty. Plenty. A lot of churches that are open these days ought to be closed because they don't teach anything. But you have a golden opportunity in terms of how you live before those people, praying for those people, speaking words of truth to those people. And it begins because you care about them enough that you want to share with them what the gospel is so that they're able to have a right relationship with God as you have a right relationship with God. Well, we'll close with that. Lord willing, we'll begin next week with Acts 21. Thank you.